Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for being our God. We thank you for loving us and guiding us to you, Lord. We thank you for allowing us to worship you once again uh, in this way. Lord, um, we've been uh, online for so long, and as the day draws nearer and nearer for us to be able to come together to corporate worship, we pray that you'll be with us in the midst of that planning. But still today in this in this format, Lord, we pray that you'll be with all of our members and our their friends and family who may be listening to this sermon, Lord Father, that they will be blessed uh, by it and be filled with your spirit. Uh, and I pray, O oh Lord, that you'll use me as your instrument to speak your words of truth uh, to your people, O oh Lord. We thank you. In your son's Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, just a few months ago, uh, NCF held its first ever VBS. It was a great time for all that was there. I I enjoyed uh, helping to put it on together. And, you know, every so often I still get text messages from parents just telling me uh, how much their kids enjoyed it. And one particular thing that really stood out to a lot of people, it seems, uh, were the songs. Uh, the kids loved the songs. They played the songs on, on repeat. And I feel because they're on repeat, uh, the parents are uh, learning the lyrics of the songs now. And they find themselves singing along as well. Now this uh, VBS, the theme, uh, focused on uh, Jesus' power and his, his strength. And so a lot of the songs that we sang for VBS uh, dealt with that too. Right? Songs, the lyrics that we had was like, uh, Your power will pull us through. We're trusting in you. Those lyrics to one song. Another song was, uh, the lyrics was, uh, The power in your blood. Talking about the, the power that comes from the blood of Jesus. So throughout the VBS and throughout the, with the songs, our children learned the power of Jesus, the power of God, how strong they are and what they're backing, how we can be bold and we have nothing to fear. It made, made me think about uh, my childhood and some of the songs that I sang at VBS growing up. And, you know, um, one of the songs that I learned uh, years ago was a song called God is Big. And as you might imagine with a title like that, it talks about the grandness of God, how big God is. God is bigger than the universe. God is bigger than the giraffe and, and stronger than the lion. Those of you who have gone through Sunday school, we hear about how strong and powerful the God that we worship is, how mighty he is, how, how so powerful he is that he could overcome all obstacles in our lives. And when we read through the Bible and we remember the Bible stories we read growing up and maybe the Bible stories we read to our children, they're all filled with God's majesty and His power, like how He spoke the world into creation. He just said something and the, the world appeared, the waters appeared, the animals uh, uh, appeared. We have grand miracles, right? We have like the, the plagues that ravaged Egypt. We have the, the powerful uh, visual, like uh, the parting of the Red Sea with Moses. We had the, the flood during the time of Noah. And when you bring it back into, uh, into the New Testament and you, you hear about Jesus' uh, miracles, they're all grand in nature as well. Catching a multitude of fish, raising someone from the dead, raising someone from their deathbed, healing the sick, feeding the 5,000 and feeding the 4,000. We never get like small miracles, right? 
We don't get a story where Jesus goes to somebody's house and somebody has a cough like, uh, how do you feel? It's just a common cold, Jesus. Well, well, you're healed. right? We don't have a story of Jesus healing the common cold. And we don't have uh, uh, Jesus like feeding just his disciples, like preparing a meal for him and 12 of his friends with just a piece of bread. No, we have these grand, mighty, powerful, visually stunning miracles and displays of God's power. And because of that, because everything that we read and heard about God growing up, I think it instills in us a certain idea that God is big. And yes, God is big. But we focus too much on the power of God, the, the grandness of God, the bigness of God, the mighty, all-consuming miracles of God that we lose sometimes how God could come to us in gentleness how God can come to us in softness you know whenever we go to struggles in life we want God to take care of everything in our life and fulfill them in grand and majestic ways that I feel sometimes we miss out on the smaller things that God is doing for us each and every day of our lives you know, in our passage for today that we read, we read a story of Elijah standing on a mountain and, and God passing by him. And we saw God, God's mighty uh, power displayed in the form of a strong wind, in the form of an earthquake, and in, in, in a, the form of a fire. But it tells us that God was not seen in those mighty things, and yet he was seen and what came after that, the weakest thing, which was a low whisper. To get the full effect of this passage, we actually need to, I feel, go back and look at the previous uh, chapter, uh, the previous story, which is First uh, Kings chapter 18, verses 16 through 46. And in that, we see the awesome power of God just being displayed before all the people of Israel. In that chapter, you know, I might say First Kings chapter 18, it might... The story might not come to you, but when I say it, you'll say, oh yeah, I, I know that story. And it's the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel as he stands against the prophets of Baal to show who the real God is. You know, during that time, the people no longer worshipped God. They no longer trusted in the people, uh, the God of Israel, and they were bowing down to the Baals, the, the gods of the other nations, the Asherah poles, and the, the king and queen was also leading them into this idolatry. And this so angered God, this so infuriated God, that God said, I need to do something. Turn their hearts back to me. And he, so he sent Elijah to do this, to turn the, the hearts of the people back to him. And you know the story. Elijah goes and he says, I'm going to prove to you now who the real God is. And so King Ahab sends word throughout the nation, throughout the kingdom, saying all the people need to come together on Mount Carmel. And on one side stood the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Esherah. And on the other side stood Elijah, the lone prophet, the one true God. And Elijah steps forward and says, Today, We'll see who the true God is. And he sets forth this uh, competition, basically, 
where each side needs to make an altar, they sacrifice a bull on top of it, and instead of lighting it, they're going to pray to their God, and whoever shoots fire down from heaven, that God will be the true God. If it's Baal who shoots down the fire, then so be it. And if it's God of Israel, it's God, right? The prophets of Baal go first, right? We know the story. They set up their bull on their altar and they start dancing and they start singing and they start calling out to the Baal, but nothing happens. Time passes and passes and still nothing happens. So Elijah, he starts taunting them, right? Hey, maybe you got to shout a little louder. Maybe he's tired. Maybe he's sleeping. He's taking a break and he can't hear you. You know, in the Bible it says, maybe he's relieving himself. He's too busy doing something else and you just really need to shout to get his attention. And this infuriated the prophets of Baal even more. And they shouted louder and they did something crazy. They got swords and spears and they started cutting themselves. So I look, we're spilling blood for you. Send out your... And we know nothing happened. Elijah says, you know what? My turn. He sets up the bull. He sets up 12 stones to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. He asks for big water jugs to come and pour this water to be poured over the altar. And Elijah cries out and prays to God to show his power to the people so that their hearts can be turned back to him. And right as he ends his prayer, what happens? Fire comes down from heaven. It burns up the bull. It burns up the altar. It laps up all the water. And our God, the God that we serve, is shown as a true God. And all the Israels, all the Israelites worship God. And they put the prophets of Baal to the sword. This was a great and powerful miracle, a display of power that God did in front of Elijah and in front of all the people. This event takes place just one chapter before our chapter, our text for today. Elijah saw the power of God. He knows the power of God. He witnessed it with his very eyes. He knows that God is awesome and powerful and can do all things. He knows that God is big. But in our passage today, we see him in fear. We see him depressed and in hiding, fearing for his life. Because at the end of the last chapter, we showed God's strength and power. The queen got so mad that he ordered the capture and killing, the execution of Elijah. And so Elijah ran away and hid in this cave. He ran away and took refuge in this cave, and he was so depressed with what was happening in his life. And here's where the word of the Lord came to Elijah and, and asked, Elijah, what are you doing here? And God didn't rebuke him. God didn't instruct him on what he should be doing. No, he, God just asked him a simple question. What are you doing here? He doesn't tell Elijah to go back and stand up to the queen. He doesn't tell him to go rebuke the king. He doesn't get mad at Elijah for hiding. He just asks, what are you doing? Elijah said he was scared because he was the last prophet left and was ordered to be killed. That the people of Israel has forsaken their covenant that they made with God. And they killed all the other prophets and he is the only one left. So God tells Elijah, 
stand by the mountain and the Lord will pass by. I will pass by. This mountain that Elijah was on is Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb is another name for Mount Sinai. And on Mount Sinai, years and years before, Moses stood at the cleft of a rock as the Lord passed before him as well. In the same mountain range, Elijah gets to meet God. God does this to show him his power, to show that he is real, and to show that I am always there with you. As God passes by, we see, Elijah sees what we'll call these great natural disasters. And first comes a great strong wind that tore the mountains apart, that shattered the rocks. You know, we've heard news about the horrible tornadoes that hit our country every year. Right? And this year, uh, I heard we set a record of named hurricanes, tornadoes, and tropical storms already. We've seen the devastation that they cause is um, years, years and years and years ago, you might remember like uh, Hurricane Katrina and what it did to, to New Orleans and how devastated that region of our country. But have we seen wind shatter rock? Wind break down mountains? And that's what the Bible says is happening here. And yet God was not in this strong and powerful wind. After the wind, it says, came a huge earthquake. And we know the power of earthquakes as well. We've seen them in recent years in Southeast Asia, in Japan, in, in Haiti, and the devastation and the displacement of people and the loss of lives that those earthquakes have caused the power to, to uh, break down buildings and to split the ground. Being from California, I also know firsthand the devastation that earthquakes cause. I preached, I given a sermon before once, and like during fellowship time, an earthquake hit. You know, When I was younger, I slept through an earthquake. I've seen videotapes of earthquakes. It causes a lot of destruction. If you're not used to it, it can be quite scary. The earth is literally shaking. And yet, though an earthquake comes before Elijah, God is not found in that earthquake either. And after the earthquake comes a fire. And once again, as someone from California, I know the devastation that fires cause. Every year, there's a huge forest fire that, that spreads uh, across uh, California. And this year, if you follow the news, it's no different because there was a gender reveal party that caused a huge, huge fire there. But once again, God was not found in the fire. And our passage says, after the fire came a low whisper. And that was where God was found. And when Elijah heard the whisper, he went out to the mouth of the cave and God called to him once more. Elijah knew all of the big, grand things that God has done. He knew that God was awesome and powerful. He literally just witnessed three amazing displays of power pass by right before him. He saw how powerfully God can answer those who call on him just a chapter before with the uh, the 
the event on Mount Carmel? Why did God show Elijah the wind, the earthquake, the fire? Well, it's a way for God to manifest himself. And this is what uh, theologians call a theophany. You know, Warren W. Wearsby says, The pagan nation saw these great sights and worshipped the powers of nature. But when the Jews saw them, they worshipped the God who created nature. So God showed these displays of power to show how powerful he is, how much, of, uh, how much that he is in control of all things to bring Elijah to trust him and to worship him, to not fear what would happen because God is in control. Let me ask you guys something. If you witness the power of God so greatly displayed in your life, what would you do the very next minute, the very next day? If God showed you his display of power like he did on Mount Carmel, would you say, huh, that was cool? And just leave it at that? Or would you be spiritually so strengthened and emboldened and renewed that you'll go tell people that you serve and worship this awesome, amazing God who's so powerful and tell the great things that God has done? Or would you run and hide in a cave would you hide in fear because of something that may happen to you? Would you trust that the power that created the universe will protect and uphold you? Or would you fear what people can do to you if you continue speaking of this God? And if you see what Elijah says that bookends our passage for today, you know, Elijah is in a funk. He does not get out of that funk even though God's power is displayed. I want us to look at verse 10 and verse 14 again and see if you could tell what's similar. This is what it says in verse 10 and verse 14. He says, He said, Elijah speaking, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And then in verse 14, he said, Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I alone, am, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Amen. Elijah says the very same thing. When God first appeared to Elijah at this time and said, What are you doing here? This is what uh, Elijah says. And after God shows him the wind, the earthquake, the fire, and the low whisper and says, what are you doing here? Elijah says the same thing. I didn't put up a typo. It's not a control C, control V situation. Well, not on my end. In the Bible it was. Because even though Elijah witnessed God's power, he was still feel, filled with uh, worry and anxiety and stress. He was still afraid. You know, sometimes we see God's power in this world. We see God's might in our life. We sometimes we see it and it may rise us up, raise us up and make us bold to move forward. But sometimes, even though we know it and even though we see it, we stay in our fear and dread and we still complain. 
just like Elijah did here. But as you can tell from the passage, God comes in power, but God comes in gentleness as well. God can come silently. God can show his presence in quiet ways. We also need to be able to pick up God in his whispers. Because for the most part, God comes to us in silent whispers. It's just that we want God to come to us in power that we often fail to see him in his whispers. You know, after these three powerful elements, there came a low whisper, it says. And this was where Elijah heard God. Sometimes we wait so anxiously to hear God and to see Him make a very real powerful impact in our lives, to make an impact in a, such a mighty way that we let the small moments and whispers pass us by. We don't catch it. Once again, Warren W. Wearsby says this, God was saying to Elijah, You called fire from heaven. You had the prophets of Baal slain and you prayed down a terrific rainstorm and now you feel like a failure. But you must realize that I don't usually work in a manner that's loud, impressive and dramatic. My still small voice brings the word to the listening ear and heart. Yes, there's a time and place for the wind, the earthquake and the fire. But most of the time, I speak to people in tones of gentle love and quiet persuasion. Brothers and sisters, listen for God's whispers. Wait on His small miracles in life. You know, it's right for you to hope and expect God to move in big ways. But I hope you also focus on the gentleness of God and turn your ear towards that as well. Because that's usually how God speaks to us. Now, when I... uh, first started at NCF, I told a lot of people that I've been on a lot of mission trips. And uh, to be honest, I, I have been going on missions every year since um, since the end of my uh, college, first year in college in 2001. That's my first mission trip. And I went every year except this year right? because of COVID. And my wife asked me, is this the first time in like 20 years you ha- didn't ride an airplane? I said, yes, it's the first year in 20 years I didn't ride an airplane because I couldn't go on missions. Hopefully we go next year. Those who wanted to go to Thailand this year, hopefully we do something great next year. But in 2001, I went on my first mission trip to uh, Ukraine. Wow, 2001, that's already 19 years ago when I went on my first mission trip. And, you know, this was going to be, I feel, I think the second um, mission trip that our church was going to send in. Uh, I went to a pretty big church, so it was only the college students. It was a college ministry mission team, and we're going to spend a month in Ukraine. It ended up being 15 of us and our pastor. And, you know, I'm not going to go too much in in, in depth uh, with the stories I'm going to tell today. But uh, I believe on the second or third day of this mission trip, uh, one of our church members, our team members, got a phone call from, um, from America. And think about this. This is like before cacao and before like you could how um, before being able to communicate so freely uh, this is like you have to get like a phone card and the mom had to call uh, called his parents called so we knew if somebody calls you while you're on a mission trip something's up and that friend that teammate uh, shared with us that uh 
his father was rushed to the hospital hospital because something happened um, and he could die at any moment and so um, he should probably come home if he wants to see his father you know we were supposed to, like I said we we're supposed to be there for a month and this is only three days in so there was a decision that needed to be made our team got together and we prayed hard we prayed hard for about two hours we cried together and you know our, our pastor said you, you know it's good to want to be here but it's probably best for you to go back uh, to be with your mom and uh, he called his mom saying that he was going to go back but his mom told him not to come he said why and just of, of course later sharing us uh, he said why he said because your father got better all of a sudden and he's getting discharged from the hospital you know, and as a young college kid, I was probably 18 or 19 at that time. And to have experienced that, like, whoa, prayer does work type of a moment, you know, it brought our team closer together. And it, it, it gave us, you know, out of many stories, a, a story that we could share and, and testify to when we got back home. Fast forward another year, 2002, I went on another mission trip to Mongolia. Uh, and we had a bigger team. And uh, one night we were on a hilltop in the, the forest hills of Mongolia, praying together. And our prayer time was over. And all of a sudden, as uh, our team leader was doing a uh, closing prayer, she fell down on the ground crying. And everyone was like, hey, what's going on? Why is she crying all of a sudden? And our pastor said, let's all put our hands on her and start praying. And we did that, and other people started falling on the ground. And it was a pray, crying and praying. And it was just a weird experience. And I remember we prayed for a few hours and I was like, what, what was that? A lot of us was very confused on what happened. And we asked her, why did you start crying? And she wouldn't say anything. But after that mission trip was over, when we came back home and our, our uh, mission team was doing like a testimony in front of our church, she shared, uh, the person shared that um, there was something, a painful event that happened in her life that she held within her that just came out that night. And... Uh, she shared how she was molested as a child by one of her teachers and for some reason on that mountaintop in Mongolia as we were praying it just all rushed back to her and it just felt peace and calm and so we're like whoa and God is moving in crazy mysterious ways and so the next year came on and we're going to go on another mission trip. And because this happened two years in a row now, people on this mission team were like, hey, I wonder what's going to happen this year. Like, what's going what's gonna, to what's gonna be like the big healing story of 2003? And we went to, uh, we were in uh, Albania that year. And by that time, I was already like a third year. And so uh, I was one of the leaders on this team. And I, I heard as we were, preparing for our missions team and as we were going on missions people talking about what's going to happen Ooh, what's God going to show us what's the, what's the mighty power display of God on, on this year's team and the first day came and went and be like yeah it was just first day no problem and then another day passed yeah, still early still early and a week passed and people were like nothing's, nothing's eventful is really happening then another week passed and another week and now we're on the last day of missions. And on the last day of missions, we're just sharing about how 
what we learned and what we saw and what we experienced on the mission trip. And somebody raised their hand and they said, you know what? I don't know, like, I was so expecting something to happen, right? Like, you know, you guys told us about what happened in Ukraine. You told us about Mongolia. I wanted something to happen. I wanted, like, something for me. Something like a major, like, healing or prayer being answered. And I'm kind of disappointed. And being a, a leader on this team, I sat there. I just thought about it. And I said, uh, you know, what were the prayer requests we had as we came on this mission trip? You know, in Ukraine, two years ago, the mission team was 15 members, but this year it was about 30. Our prayer request was that we would all get along because there's 30 of college kids all together. And look at us, we did. Our prayer request was that all 30 of us would be safe, nothing would, no one would get hurt, and it happened. Our prayer request was that we would do good works for God and serve the people here well. I think we did. You know, sometimes God gives those miraculous healings. But doesn't mean if God just doesn't do that and answers a prayer of nobody getting hurt or just everyone getting along or doing ministry well, even if it's kind of quiet, doesn't take away from what God did for us. It doesn't take away from the experience that we had here. God is still very, very real. We didn't get the wind, the strong, powerful wind. We didn't get the, we didn't get the earthquake and we didn't get the fire. But we got God's low, gentle whispers. My brothers and sisters, every day we get the low, gentle whispers of God. You know, there's an old saying, <clears throat> stop and smell the roses, right? Stop and smell the roses. It means whatever's going on in life, just take the moment to go see a rose and smell it and take it all in. There's beauty in there, there's beauty all around us. But I want to change that line to stop and see the roses. Because sometimes we just miss that the rose is there altogether. Right? We can't smell it because we forget. We don't look for it. We don't even see it anymore. We have a hard time even noticing the rose in the first place. Too many worries and stress in our lives that we don't see it. We don't see the good things. We don't see the beauty. Right? Especially now with COVID and the disruption that's causing our lives in the lives of our loved ones, the change that it brought to our children and how they go to school and how they learn, the frustration that it caused all of us, the stress of just daily living, blinds us to the rose, blinds us to God, that we lose sight of God and we wonder if God is there. God can come to us at any given moment, in any way that God chooses. He can come in a great calamity. He could come in great success. He could come in power, and He could come in gentleness. The thing is, are we truly waiting and trying to hear Him? Are you ready and patiently waiting to see God in any form that He comes to you in? 
You know, we want God to solve our problems in one swell, swell swoop. We want God to solve our problems in a big bang that we only look for and want and expect the big bangs, right? We say like, remember, God, I have student loans. I have a debt upwards to $50,000, $70,000, $100,000. What can I do? The loan has handcuffed me. Please clear it away, we pray. Please take my loan away. And we expect God being the great big God that He is, that all of a sudden we have $50,000, $70,000, $100,000 just appear on our doorsteps. Or a bank error that just wipes that debt away and we're like, we're freed. And we don't think about the paychecks that we might re receive, the steady paychecks, or maybe a bonus from your job at the end of the workplace that helps pay off those things that other people continue to worry about. Those small whispers from God saying, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. We don't see the tiny miracles because we want everything fixed all at once. Just because our life plans do not happen the way we want does not mean that God doesn't care or that God isn't there. God is always there. And he's whispering to us. We just have to hear it. And maybe we don't hear it because we're so busy. The rush of work, the cries of our kids, the sound of traffic, everything drowns out the gentle whispers of God in our life. You now, some of you might have watched uh, the presidential debate earlier this week. And if you're like me and the rest of America, it was probably hard to hear anything that anybody said. I don't know if anyone came away with any idea of what uh, President Trump or uh, Vice President Joe Biden had, right? What uh, what they were planning to do with climate change or this and that. We just we couldn't hear it because everyone was just shouting and shouting and shouting and shouting until I tried to do something, which was try and focus on the person that's supposed to be speaking. So if it feels Biden's turn to speak, I just, okay, I'm going to try to block out President Trump and the, the moderator. Just kind of focus on what Biden was trying to say or focus on what Trump was going to say. And I'm going to say I didn't get all of it, but I got some of it. In the same way as the craziness and the busyness and the, the sounds of the world and cries of all the things happen come up in our lives, we got to try hard to kind of silence that and focus on what God is trying to say to us. What's God's message to me? How is God speaking to me today? So we've got to stop. We've got to think. We've got to focus and listen to and listen for the voice of God. Know that God is with you. He wants you to stand at the mouth of the cave and have you listen to his voice. God is there waiting to guide you, to lead you, to take you on the next step in life. All we have to do is remain patient and try and hear him. In the business of your life, whether it's for family or work or school, do not forget the voice of God. Do not forget to hear his low whispers for even though we may feel that's not there, it's always there. Speaking to us through the word the Bible, through the prayers and the interaction with, that we have with Him, through talking to our Christian friends and getting encouragements from them. And when God does this appear and God does display His awesome power, 
trust him and turn to him. You know, how much better our story might have been if Elijah responded to God in courage and strength after the second time God asked him, what are you doing here? They were standing up knowing that the powerful God is backing him. But Elijah responded the way he did. And we may respond the same way because Elijah is just a man. He has his faults and fears just like us. Uh, James uh, writes in James chapter 5, verse 17, the first part of it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. What does this mean? It means though we hold Elijah in high esteem as a prophet, as a person who didn't die and went up to heaven in a flaming chariot, he had the same thoughts and fears and worries and feelings that we get from time to time. Feelings of loneliness, abandonment, stress, and negativity. But after the wind and the earthquake and the fire, after the low voice, the low whisper, Elijah still responded to God in a sulky attitude. But God still renewed him and gave him a new mission. And Elijah went. Life is hard, my brothers and sisters. I know we wish that God will come in power and take COVID away. We want our kids back in school without the fear of catching anything. We want things back. It was like in 2019. We want everything from the economy to our leaky faucets fixed with the power of God. Sometimes, though, it's just the quiet low whispers that we need to lean on. Sometimes God comes in gentleness and we must watch for it because God's greatest gift to us all came in gentleness. You see, when our Savior Jesus Christ was born, there was no fanfare. There was no wind. There was no earthquake. There was no fire welcoming him into this world. Yes, an angel spoke to a few shepherds and a star guided a few wise men. The rest of the world had no clue that the Savior of humanity was born. You know, when the son of a king is born, there's much preparation for that day. Rooms are cleaned, presents are lined up, people are notified. But when the Son of God was born, there was no preparation and there was no room in the inn. When the Son of a King is born, he's probably born in a grand room with servants and maids and doctors readily available by the bedside to help the child and the mother. But when the Son of God was born, he was born in a manger without any servants and maids and doctors and surrounded by sheep and cows and other farmyard animals. When the son of a king is born, they would announce the birth to the farthest reaches of the kingdom, music blasting and celebrations to be had. But when the son of God was born, no one knew. Even our Savior, Jesus Christ, came into the world in gentleness. But we know that he is powerful and that he is the savior of the world for all who believe in him. When God sent the savior of the world into the world, those who knew to look for the sign, who were called to seek him out, was blessed to experience the occasion and power. Jesus was sent into the world in gentleness, in gentleness like a low whisper. And those who receive that whisper, those that hear it and accept it like you and me, they will be saved. My brothers and sisters, when God speaks to you, 
Listen for his gentle, low whispers. Trust, follow, believe, be uplifted, and be saved. Elijah feared for his life, and even after seeing God's power display, he ran and hid in a cave. God showed his power to Elijah once again, once again at the mouth of the cave in the form of a strong wind, an earthquake, and a great fire. But God was not found in those things. Then God came in a low whisper. And in the midst of seeing all of these marvelous things, Elijah found God only in the low whisper and did as he was commanded. In our lives, God can show us marvelous things as well. Perhaps they may not be as visually as grand as what Elijah witnessed. But nonetheless, God shows us things. But in the same way that God came to Elijah, God whispers to us too. We have to listen. Are you listening to God? Can you hear his whispers? And if you cannot, what's making it hard for you to hear God reaching out to you? Is it because of the sounds of the outside world is blocking his voice out? Or the voices in your head telling you not to listen? Or are you depressed and so sick of everything that you're tuning God out? Shut all those things off. Stop and see the roses. Stand at the mouth of the cave. And whether you are nervous, anxious, scared like Elijah was because of circumstances, or if life is going well and there's nothing to complain about, whatever situation of life you are in, be sure to listen for the low whispers of God. For He is speaking to you, to guide you, to lead you, to tell you what He wants you to do. And all we have to do is listen, be comforted, and obey. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for being our God. We thank you for loving us and for guiding us always. We thank you for being a powerful God who can do such mighty and awesome things. We've read about so much of it in the Bible. We've witnessed a lot of it in our own lives or have heard testimonies of our friends and families and others of the great, grand things that you've done, the miracles that you perform. But Lord, help us to not just lean on and wait for those, but listen for your voice every day. The gentle whispers that you give to us, reminding us that you still care, that you're there for us, that you love us, that you're holding us, and that you're taking care of us. Help us to remember the small miracles that you do in our lives. Help us to trust you, be boldened, and go out into the world praising your name. We thank you and we love you. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.